Do you really want your company to stand out in the crowded digital space? Do you want to get more people to know, like, and trust you with your story? Authentic Web Video Marketing Agency can help you to collect those stories, the stories that sell, connect the stories to the situation, produce the videos that you need in each of the situations, and then use the latest techniques, including video ads, retargeting, and email to deliver those video stories. Authentic Web is the video production and marketing agency trusted by top marketers to help their story stand out in a crowded space. Visit AuthenticWeb.media to learn more. In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. Is this thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here, and today's guest is a conversion rate, uh, a conversion optimizer. A com- uh, you know, CRO. We talk about it all the time, uh, but you know, what, what's your conversion rate? And um, he's an expert in it. Chris Daly, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm super excited to talk to you about this subject, which I maybe everyone isn't super excited about, but I think it's super important. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, so, Chris, tell me a little bit about how you got into optimizing optimizing websites for conversion, et cetera. And also, you know, let's let's backtrack because I talk about conversion a lot, and people, you know, I, I feel like we always have to reframe what conversion is because a lot of people think conversion is just a website. So let's talk about that real quick, and then tell me about how you got into it. You bet. Yeah. So, I mean, when we talk about conversion rate optimization, and actually, I think my my background will will kind of explain a little bit of that. But but um, the conversion rate, uh, I, I look at it as a conversion rate process. The minute someone is first exposed to your company, um, there there's an opportunity to to begin converting them. Um, and and really, what we're talking about here is that when someone has a need. Or, you know, whether they know it or whether they don't know it, when somebody has some kind of a need in their life or some kind of a desire in their life um, and your business has a solution for them, you have an opportunity to begin converting them and showing them that you have what they need. And so uh, the, the way that I kind of got into really caring about any of this was um, my very first job that I got was was doing sales for a digital marketing company. And uh, we did SEO, and so I was out there selling it, talking to people about how we could help uh, businesses increase their rankings on Google, and that was just fascinating to me, the idea that I could influence the Google search results that I see on a daily basis. And so I applied for an internal job, ended up you know, in the SEO space. To make a long story short, I spent two to three years doing SEO. Um, this is back in the days when SEO was fairly easy to do. Um, or at least a lot more predictable. Um, and so I spent a few years doing SEO. I was in-house for a company, and we were crushing it on the SEO front. 
I think over like a nine month period of time, we had tripled our organic traffic to our site. So we had gotten lots of great rankings on Google, tons of great traffic, but I started to feel really discouraged as a marketer because as we looked into what was happening to this traffic, most of it wasn't converting. Nothing was happening with it. People were coming to our site and leaving. Um, and so that's, of course, discouraging, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a marketer, whatever. And as we started to dig into it, it became pretty apparent that nobody at the company knew why people weren't converting. Most people just assumed the traffic probably just sucks. And, you know, mm-hmm. of course, as an SEO, there's no way that's possible. Um, and so we... Um, so I kind of stumbled upon conversion rate optimization online and realized that there are, you know, recognized that there are some tactics that you can put in place. You can run some, some split tests on your site to see if maybe you can influence the way people engage with your site and interact with your site. And so I thought, what the heck, let's try it. So we ran a test, uh, you know, my very first test on a website saw a small increase in conversion rates, but it was enough for me to go, wow, this is amazing. You can get a ton of traffic to your site, and, but if you, if you don't have the right experience on your site, if you're not communicating that you have that, uh, you know, the solution to that problem that people have, if you're not communicating that in the right way, then you're not going to end up converting people. So, that's kind of how I ended up in conversion rate optimization. I've been doing this for the last uh, five or six years. I started my own uh, company doing conversion rate optimization about three years ago. And, uh, and that's kind of where I've been at the last few years. Um, so, you know, tell people, like, let's talk a little bit about what a conversion is, too. So, yeah, a conversion can be anything, really whatever your critical business metric is. So, I mean, usually when we are optimizing for conversions, those conversions look like a lead that's submitted on your website. Uh, if you have an e-commerce site, it, it could just be somebody that purchases something. It could A conversion could be someone filling out an email form or downloading an ebook. <clears throat> whatever the action is that you want people to take, that's a conversion. Okay, awesome. Um so when it comes to conversion rate optimization, at what point do you say, you know, how do you determine what you're going to do first and second and third and fourth? And at what point do you know it's a traffic problem and not a, and a, not a conversion problem? Yeah, well, that's a good question. And at the beginning, you don't always know whether it's a traffic problem or a conversion problem because, you know, <laughs> uh, when, you know, over here at, at my company, Disruptive Advertising, we do both traffic generation and conversion rate optimization. And a lot of times we do them in parallel. And so, you know, we might set up a PPC campaign and send a bunch of traffic to a website and none of that traffic converts, but we're still super early on. We haven't optimized those campaigns. We haven't really figured out what kind of messaging resonates with people. And, you know, on the flip side, we also haven't really tested the website. And so, yeah, early on, you, you may not really know what to do. And so you want to begin optimizing both areas. You want to optimize both your traffic and your website. And really, you can't start learning what's working until you start getting some kind of conversions, right? Because once you start to convert people, um, then you can, you can start running tests to see if you can move the needle up or down. Um, on both your ads and on your website. Um, and so, you know, on ads, we do, we do split testing on ads all the time where, where we'll run, 
you know, five different headlines to the same page and then figure out which one converts the best. Um, and you know, similarly on a, on a landing page or on a homepage where whatever page we're sending traffic to, you start running tests and you know, where you initially start, we, we've got a framework that we typically start with, with our clients. We've got every page of a website broken down into six areas. Um, and so those six areas give us what I call the most critical conversion, um, points on a website uh, and so typically we'll just start at the top of that list and start working our way down those six items. And, um, and eventually we're going to find which one of those six or maybe all of those six that are hindering people from converting on the site. Awesome. And so, yeah. So, um, you know, once you, can you tell me a little bit about those six Are those secret sauce or can you, can we go? No, no. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. So, so the six things, and these are really categories of tests that you can run on your site. They're, they're like I said, the, what I call the six most important conversion factors on a website. And so those six things are, number one, uh, your value proposition. So what is it that you're offering? And do people care what you're offering? And have you communicated it in a way that people will care? The second thing is your call to action. So is it obvious what people are supposed to do? on your site. Uh, in fact, just yesterday I was doing a training for some, uh, for some marketers in Texas and they showed me an example of a landing page. They want, and, and I asked, what do you want people to do? And, and they said, Oh, we want people to, f- to fill out this form and submit it to us. And I said, well, where's the form? And they scrolled all the way down to the bottom of the page. And they said, this is the form we want people to fill out. I said, well, no one's ever going to see that. Like, you know, so I, my best practice is if people can't tell in two to three seconds, what they're supposed to do on your page, there's a very high likelihood you're not going to convert them. So it needs to be very obvious what your call to action is and what you want them to do. Um, the third thing is your content. Um, you know, every page has has content of some sort, and so the you know the questions that we typically ask when we're testing is how much content should there be? What kinds of things should we talk about in the content? Um, and, you know, how, how readable, how concise those types of things should the content be. Um, so those first three things that I mentioned are what I call conversion motivators. Those are things that will typically propel someone to convert on your site. The, the second three things are things I call conversion resistance factors. They're things that will typically prohibit someone from converting on your site. So the first thing is distractions or diversions, anything and anything on your website could potentially be a distraction. And so I typically, when I'm running tests on websites, I will ask myself, I'll ask you know, our, our, our customers, what could be a distraction on this page? From, what could be distracting me from the call to action? So that could be like images, could be other buttons, it could be ads, it could be uh, banners, it could be videos. Anything on a page could be a distraction. And so... You want to make sure that everything that's on your website should be there. <laughs> um, most companies, when they're designing a website, they just mm-hmm. throw something up on a page, whatever they think looks good, and that's what they leave there forever. Yep. Uh, the, the, the second resistance factor is anxiety, anything that causes me to feel unsettled or feel like this may not be worth the effort required. Um, and there's lots of things that can cause anxiety, um, 
And then the final thing is how customized the, the mobile experience is on your site. So, you know, some, some companies don't get any mobile traffic, but if you do get mobile traffic, it's not enough just to have a mobile site. It, you have to go deeper into the mobile experience and ask how customized is this for a mobile user? Do they need all the same information that someone on a desktop computer might need? Do they want the same call to action that someone on a desktop computer might need? And so those are the six things, I, I guess, in as, as little details I can go into. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's awesome. And that's super helpful, especially, you know, like mobile sites, people just kind of, and, and like you said, people throwing just stuff up on the website, like, ah, and leaving it there instead of testing it. Um, and the fact is most people don't know really what's going to work, right? You got to get it up there and test it and fix it. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, but everyone's not going to convert on a website. Everyone's not going to convert on traffic right away, especially if you have a longer buy cycle. You know, people need some awareness. So we, we were talking a little bit about this before, and I've talked with a lot of people about this. You know, when we t- talk about conversion, it's a direct response. You know, it's kind of like direct response marketing uh, and for everyone where you're looking for a direct response. But then there's the other side of it where it's branding, and bigger organizations want branding. But for, you know, medium-sized businesses – um, you, you, you know, where do you think you should be focusing your time? Is it a direct response or is it branding or is it somewhere in between? Yeah. And that's, that is a really, really big thing that comes up almost on a daily basis. Um, as we're talking to clients, um, and, and it, it really needs to be somewhere in the middle. So the, the problem is, um, I think that the biggest challenge for most businesses is the, the concept of branding. What is branding? And so this is something that, I, that I'll ask a lot of times to, uh, to businesses. What does branding mean? And Because there's, there's usually two definitions. One def- definition of branding is how do we present our company to the world? So my brand is, um, is elegant fonts and beautiful imagery and a soft color palette and you know, all these things. That's one definition of branding. The other definition of branding is how do I expose my audience to my brand consistently enough that I build trust, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, you know, I can, I can see um, why businesses foca- focus on both of those elements. What I've found is that most businesses get way too tripped up on the how do we present our business to the world side of branding, um, businesses will spend months and years um, redesigning <laughs> their entire business, their logo, their oh. their color palette, their oh, that's their frustrates fonts. me so much. <laughs> it's, it, and it's so uh, you know, and I get it, I get it. You want to make sure that you are presenting a consistent message when you're talking about your brand, and when you lock yourself down into our brand is this, you are really making a lot of assumptions that you know what your audience wants to see from your brand. Because the fact of the matter is, your audience may not want a bunch of blues and whites on your site. Your audience might want your call to action to be red. They might want it to be super in their face and obvious. And your brand designer might hate that color. And so, you know, so there's some of those things that it doesn't really matter if you've got a red on your website. People are not going to go, oh, 
you know what? I was I was into their company because they used a lot of blues, but now they used a red. I'm I'm not into it anymore. You know, that just doesn't happen. Um, and so that side of branding, people can get way too wrapped up in. And so what I typically suggest for businesses is just put together something you feel comfortable with, put it up on the site, and then start testing from there and be willing to challenge your assumptions of what your brand is. Because, you know, here's another one. I, you know, I worked for a long time with a, a, a company in the medical space. Um, they provided hereditary cancer tests for doctors. So they were advertising to very intelligent um, clients. And so they assumed our clients are intelligent. Therefore, they want tons of information on every page. And so we'd have a landing page, you know, with a lead form. And they would just have pages and pages of content really dense medical jargon content. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so I proposed a test to them and said, well, let's challenge this concept. Let's run a few different versions of this landing page and let's shorten this up and let's simplify some of this. And they immediately said, well, that'll never work because our brand is, our brand is, we want to communicate that we've got substance, we've got value. And sure enough, we ran the test and the simpler the page was, the higher the conversion rate went. Yep. And so, again, they had this idea of what their brand was, which is fine, and they needed to challenge that assumption because what they thought their audience want, wanted wasn't actually what their audience wanted. So that's, that's one half of this whole branding discussion. The other half of the branding discussion that you brought up is should everything be direct response, right? Should, should every ad I write be taking someone to... Um, to my, uh, my product page? Should every ad I write be taking someone to my, uh, my free demo page or my request a quote page? And the answer to that is definitely no. Mm -hmm. um, what we typically do, and, and when, I, when I look at marketing um, and, I, and I look at kind of a conversion funnel, there is there are a variety of stages that someone will be in in the buyer cycle, right? Sometimes people are in the uh, you know the early you know top of funnel marketing stage when they're not ready for a direct response call to action. So the mistake yep. that we make is we take we will advertise for high funnel keywords. So a high funnel keyword, if I sell um, if I sell I don't know ballpoint pens. Uh, then a high funnel keyword might be me advertising for ballpoint pens, yep. right? This is a very, very top of the funnel keyword that someone's just going to be searching for if they have any interest in the subject at all. And so the mistake that we make as marketers is I advertise for ballpoint pens and I take someone to my best ballpoint pen page and try to get them to buy it. Yep. So what, what happens here is that we are taking low intent traffic, sending them to a high intent page, and we're not converting very many of them. And then we get frustrated and wonder why our conversion rates are so low. And so what I typically suggest and what we help our, what we help our, our clients do is create an offer that is equal to the intent that they have. And so a high intent or a, a, a low intent person that's very high and still in the funnel, they're not ready to buy yet. You might take them to like a page that has an article about like 10 different types of ballpoint pens, right? Mm -hmm. And this, you may not even have a call to action on this page. It might just be an article. But as soon as I get them to that article, 
boom, I can drop a pixel on their site and then I can start remarketing to them. So remarketing ads are one of the best and one of the cheapest ways to quote unquote brand your business. Mm -hmm. You get someone to your site, they're not ready to buy, you start hitting them with ads across every other website they hit on online and suddenly you're starting to introduce them to your brand. But again, I haven't even asked them for any information yet and so what I might do then is move a little bit lower in the funnel and so my remarketing ads that I'm, that I'm now pushing out to all these people that have read all my articles, those remarketing ads might bring someone back to like an ebook page on my site that is like, um, that's like, get our ebook on how to build your own ballpoint pen or how to, um, how to avoid buying ballpoint pens that don't work, whatever, you know, like they have some kind of gated, gated content, right? That's like middle of the funnel. But I'm, but I'm moving these people down the funnel. So I bring them in. I'm not asking them for any information. I remarket to them. Now I'm hitting them with the middle of the funnel offer. And then once they've downloaded my ebook, then I can hit them with a direct response offer. But, you know, and so you don't, again, the mistake that most marketers make is just assuming that everyone's ready to convert right now. And, and like you said, especially if you have a longer buy cycle, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's... You said a lot there because it's a, it's there's it's an important thing for people to understand. Both the first thing you said about branding with the colors and stuff, I'm like, just get it up there, and you know, no, in this day and age, no one's going to remember most of that stuff. Uh, you know, it, it, because we look at how many websites a day and how many advertisements a day. But yes. then when you're talking about direct response, I mean, I love that technique of warming up your audience and also that idea of, you know, the high funnel keyword is something I talk to people all the time about. Um, and it's an important thing for people to realize um, as you move people down the funnel. Um, when you So when you start a traffic campaign, at what point do you say, you know, you start getting conversion, conversion, conversion. So you get, you know, you, you've moved people now down the funnel from like, let's say you're doing Facebook ads and you, you move them down through three ads. And then now they download, you know, you get them to opt in and you're getting a good opt in cost, but then just no one's converting on your, your offer. Do you say, let me redo the offer or you say, let's look at the traffic. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's a good question. And Usually, I mean, in those kinds of scenarios, again, there's not like a silver bullet here. There's not a there's not a guaranteed approach, um, and that's where you know this whole concept of testing comes in, um, because you know I'm going to approach this with a hypothesis, and my hypothesis usually is that there's probably a problem on the website. So you know, if I have if I have gotten someone that has enough intent to move down that funnel with me then I, I usually will have somebody that has some percentage chance of converting. Now, you know, you, you said something earlier in our discussion that's absolutely true. Um, not everyone is, like, eager and anxious to sign up for your crap, right? <laughs> I mean, um, there, there is – what I've typically found is even the most high-intent audience that you can market to, so this might be – People that have already responded to two or three of your offers—that's that's a pretty high intent audience, in my in my opinion. You've got people that clearly have interest, that have been exposed to your brand, um, and 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 so and they clearly have some kind of a need. And so, 
Um, but even with that very high intent traffic, my, my estimation is that usually only 10 to 15% of people are like ready to sign up at all costs, right? The other 90% of people are coming to the site, even if they need what you have, they're not convinced that they need it from you yet. And so that's where this whole idea of website testing comes in to figure out, okay, so they, they, they know that they need ballpoint, a, a ballpoint pen. And they want the best damn ballpoint pen on the planet. And I happen to have that. Uh, but they don't know that they, you know, they, they're not convinced that they're going to buy it from me. Like, unless you're Amazon, people aren't just going to buy from you no matter what. And so, and so that's where, like I said, this idea of website testing comes in because you need to figure out what is it that people need to see here. If people aren't converting from my current offer, then I typically ask the question, a big question, like, okay, people obviously are not liking what they see. If I have a bounce rate on one of my landing pages that's like 95%, then I'm going to look at that bounce rate and go, 95% of the people did not like what they saw here because they didn't do anything. They didn't, you know, they, they just left. And so, um, and so that's where I'm going to challenge big questions. Like, what should the design be like? What should we be offering here? What information should we pre be presenting? Um, you know, how should we showcase this product? Because obviously people aren't liking what they see. Now, if you have a, if you have a conversion rate that is decent, and this is the case that I find most companies in that come uh, to work with us, most companies are converting some amount of traffic, an, an acceptable amount of traffic, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, hey, we're spending money, we're getting people to site, and we're, we're breaking even. Um, but we don't want to break even. We want to be profitable, right? So, when, when that's the case, that's actually sometimes more difficult than um, it, it can be conceptually more difficult for people to look at that and say, how do I improve if things seem to be working, right? Because when things aren't working, then it's, it's obvious. You've got to do something big. You've got to do something drastic. You're, you're not even close. But when, you, when you've got something that's working, like I said, that's where you've, you've got to really be willing to be humble and say, okay, I've got something that's working, but that doesn't mean that it's perfect. And so I'm going to take my landing page that's working well, and I'm going to start challenging um, some of those assumptions that I've made about my page. You know, I've got a ton of content on there. I think I need all of it on there, but I'm going to go ahead and run a test where I remove some of that content because maybe, I, maybe my audience doesn't need all that content. And those are sometimes the hardest tests for businesses to agree to run. Um, one of the first tests that I almost always run with companies that we work with, I call an existence test. And an, an existence test, it's a very simple test to set up, but an existence test is, is just a test where we test the existence of, of most things on a page. So we test, should all of this crap be here? You know, so I ran a test with one of our clients that came in. Um, they sell a bunch of, a bunch of, I call them redneck products, right? Like <laughs> stuff that you would buy if you're going out hunting or stuff to soup up your diesel truck or, you know, like that kind of stuff. And their homepage, they were sent, they're sending most of their traffic to their homepage and their homepage had like an offer for like every category of product that they had. So it was this super long scrolling page. They, tried to advertise all of their products for both men and women. And they, and they, I mean, it was just, it was ridiculous. I think, 
I counted and there was something like 35 different things that you could click on on the homepage, not even counting the menu. And so the first test we ran with them was, all right, you've got 35 things on your page. How many of these things are, are helping your audience make a decision? And so we ran like 10 different variations of their homepage where we just removed different sections of that content. So we had 10 variations. Out of those 10 variations, we had eight that increased conversion rates. Eight different things that we removed from the homepage that all increased conversion rates and purchase rates. And again, that was painful for them because they, you know, they have all these different departments in their company and every department wants to be represented <laughs> on the page. But what happens is you've got all this crap on the homepage and it makes it hard for people to make a decision. So yeah. Yeah. again, some of that is just ripping off the band-aid and being willing to be humble and accept that you don't know what your audience wants yet. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And that's such a good point too, because, you know, you look at, uh, I think it's blink, you know, by Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about that study with the jams and you know, it's like you, when there was three choices, people bought more than when there were 27 choices. We think people want more choices, but the confused mind doesn't decide it doesn't move forward. So that's, that's an important thing. I always called it, you know, the fire hose website. It's just like people are like spitting everything (laughs) out at the website. Like I need to put this on here and this on here and this on here. I'm like, no, you don't. You you know, they just need to know that you understand their problem. Exactly. And, And then you start moving them through there. Um, that this is all such awesome information. Um, if you were to say to someone that hasn't done any conversion rate testing at all, what's the first place that you would go? And would you, I mean, at what point do you say, Hey, it's traffic or it's conversion? Go ahead. Sorry. Cause I was gonna say, because you know, I, I have a lot of people I've talked to that, you know, don't get a lot of traffic to their website and, and spend way too much time looking at their website, you know, and then you, you get people that, um, just want more, you know, want more traffic. And I'm like, no, I think you need to start looking at conversion. I mean, is there some point where you're like, Hey, this is the point where we need to look at conversion. And this is the point where we need to look at traffic. Um, so I have a slightly different approach than, than some others in the industry. And my approach is that you want, you want to do both at the same time. Um, because what happens if, if you just focus on one, what can happen, and I've seen this happen, is like you said, if you just start focusing on the website, well, you might be getting really crappy traffic to your site, and all the conversion testing in the world is never going to convert that traffic, right? And conversely, you may have the best traffic on earth, but if you have the crappiest website in the world, no one's ever going to convert. And so you could be focusing all day on, we're not getting any conversions, we're, and we're I, I've been optimizing this freaking PPC campaign for two years and it's still not converting anything. It's like, okay, so I typically like to focus on both at the same time. And so early on in, in your, uh, you know, in your website journey, you know, when, when you create a new landing page, for example, you create a new landing page, you've got a new offer, you're not going to be getting a ton of traffic there yet. And so you're not going to be able to do a lot of testing and, I always suggest that as soon as you launch a landing page, you immediately launch a test on it because, you know, companies are going to go, well, I need to gather a baseline. You know, I need to first, I need to figure out how this converts before I start, before I start testing. And, and that's, you know, it's BS because 
when you run a split test, when you run an A-B test, you're going to gather your baseline data during the test. Like whatever, however your website has converted before you start testing is totally irrelevant because your conversion rates are going to change over time. Your traffic's going to change over time. And so how your traffic is converting this week is irrelevant when you're looking at a test next week. So, um, so yeah, I, I will typically suggest, okay, you're creating a new landing page or you've got an existing landing page. You want to start testing on it, but you also want to start optimizing your traffic. Launch a test on your landing page and then go start optimizing your traffic because that gives you so much better chance of both of them being successful. Because what, what we've found is uh, similarly on your, on your ad campaigns, when you're setting up a PPC campaign or a Facebook campaign, um, you are, you, you need conversions in order to know what works. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, and if your website's not producing enough conversions, then you can't tell it's working on your ads, but you also can't tell. And so if you run a test on your, on your landing page and you run some tests on your ads, chances are you're going to find some good intersection there of some ad that performs well with some variation of your, of your website and boom, then you've got something that has clicked and you've, and, and now you can use the, those first rounds of, of test results to fuel a more successful second round. Awesome. Awesome. That's really good advice. That is super good advice because we see that happen too much where people put the landing page and then it's like 90 days later, they start split testing it. Yes. Yeah. And, and again, one of the, like I said, the most dangerous thing about that is that when you run a landing page for 90 days and you've ran a ton of traffic there, you are just assuming, first of all, when you, when you only launch one landing page, you're just assuming that that version is going to work. Um, but second, if it does work, then you, then you make a lot of subconscious assumptions that, about why it worked. <laughs> and yeah. that can really cripple you down the road because you'll go, no, but oh yeah, no, we, we did these things and this is why it worked. But you don't know why it worked. It could just be that you have like 15 mediocre things that you put together on a website and, they and <laughs> you know, those 15 things produced a mediocre conversion rate, but none of those things were actually working really well. And yeah. so you could think, well, we've got great content on this page. That's why, that's why I converted her. We have, we have really cool, you know, customer testimonials on that page and people love those, but you don't know any of that yet. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And th- that's such a great, great point. Um, because and people make that assumption all the time, and you know what's interesting. I talk to clients about this too. They also make that assumption when doing competitive analysis. They look yes. at some. I get that all the time. They're like, "Oh, you know this this law firm is great, so it's because of their website." I'm like, "No, they might be busy in spite of their website." Yes, and and yeah, to look at it and go, "Oh, they're doing well." It must be that billboard that I see all the time, or or see that it, it, it's the reverse. But that that early success is dangerous, and it's interesting. I was yesterday, I was actually having a, a discussion with a guy that teaches code um, at 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 Full Sail, and he was talking about how dangerous it is for early on for coders to get have that happen where all of a sudden they pop in a piece of code and it works because they're like oh that works so that must be what fixed it and then he's like no try this and then all of a sudden it's broken again (laughs) (laughs) yep that's that's awesome that is so good such great great information well you know chris i could 
sit here and geek out all day on conversion rate optimization. I, I love the topic and I love the data. Um, and so if anyone wants to get a hold of you and work with your firm, it's disruptive advertising. Uh, and you work with uh, several different industries, but you work in PPC management and then also Facebook ads management and conversion rate optimization on the website, correct? That's right. And we've actually put together, if anyone is interested in just kind of like getting started or, or looking into a little bit more detail about conversion rate optimization, um, we've put together a, a, a free starter guide for people. Um, and so if, if people want to, like, like I said, learn, learn a little bit more about what we've been talking about today, they can go to disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide and they can download that guide. It, got a lot of the stuff that we talked about today um and then and then a lot of great you know test ideas for you know maybe where where to get started what tools you can use etc awesome awesome chris thank you so much for the awesome information it's been fantastic uh such good stuff and um and i really appreciate it absolutely thank you so much for having me on today and thank everyone listening thank you all for taking chris and i on your journey Make sure to start testing, get it out there, start running it, running some traffic, and uh, get that guide, disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. You just click on the show notes, click on the image, it'll go to the show notes, go straight to the link, um, and you can get in touch with Chris that way. Um, this has been Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show, and I'll talk to you all soon. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.